We're doing part seven and the final part of our, of our series about the plan. September 19th, we started this. Can you believe it? all the way back then? Hallelujah, <laughs> October 31st. Uh, but September 19th, we talked about fighting for the plan and staying connected and, and not letting the devil uproot where God's planted you. Amen? We're not trying to control anybody. We just don't want people to uproot. When God's planted them, they need to fight for that relationship. And it's your job to, to stay close as more than it is necessarily my job to try to baby you or force you to stay close because Elisha had to, had to guard his heart. Do you understand? We talked about that on the 19th. That was we fight for the plan. We watch for the plan. It was on the 26th of September. We talked about picking things up like Anna and Simeon. They prayed. They were prayers. And they knew what God was doing in their, in their, in their generation. A lot of people today, they don't know no clue what God's doing. Because they don't, they don't pray. It's not just about me preaching. The waters came up from the ground, but the waters came down from the sky for Noah's flood. And the water must come up from within your spirit so that you know what God is saying. So when it's preached, it's confirming what you know. Some of it may be new, obviously, and we're putting meat on the bones, but there should be a dual thing here. So I'm not talking about what's coming in Hebron and Jerusalem. If you're praying, you're going to know certain things automatically already, and then what I preach will add more stuff to it. But we talked about you have to watch for that. Then when you get it, pray for the congregation that they would get. Don't be selfish. Because Epiphas wasn't just thinking about himself, he was praying that they would get it. Yes. And there's a lot of people in our congregation that don't really get it. Right. And so they're faithful, they, I love them, they love me, but I know they don't get it. They don't get where we're going. And so the more the ones that get it pray for the ones that don't, then everybody will get it. And that's what unity is all about, when we all get it, yes. praise God. And then when, once you've got it and you're praying for the people to get it, then you stand on the wall, Isaiah 62, and you watch for that and you call for that and you don't give God rest. It says, day and night I will not give him rest. I will remind him of the promises he made to Jerusalem, or we could say the promise of life vision. And of course, that's for you privately. You can remind him of what he said about your life, but what about what he's saying corporately? Because that's what we're focusing on. And you stand and you watch as a watchman and as a prayer and as a caller and you say father I'm not letting this go this must come this dramatic influx of divine joinings must come watching for the plan is so critical I need I'm watching for it my team my staff some of the ministers you know some of the IPT but but we need everybody in the church to watch for this and to take an ownership of it and to just not be like well I just show up to church Sunday go to church it's I'm part of a vision I know the vision I'm praying it out. I'm hearing it preached. It's real in me. I'm praying the people will get it, and I'm calling for it. It will come to pass. We will see the move of God in Toronto. We have to. I'm doing everything I know to do to see it, Willie. If it didn't come to pass, it ain't my fault. But I can't do it alone. And I don't even, I don't even like saying the words if. We don't see it because I believe with all my heart we will. But I know it's going to take more than me, Happy. It's going to take more than my faith. It's going to take a whole congregation. You say, well, it's going to take a lot more than our congregation. It's probably going to take 50 congregations. Who said so? One church. One church in a city can bring the glory of God. 300 down from 32,000. 300 overcame innumerable odds under Gideon. 300 and what was the number? 314? 318, thank you. I haven't thought about that in a while. 318 under, under Abraham, trained and armed in his own house, took care of five kings and their armies. Don't tell me that a smaller group can't do big things because we've got scripture to prove that a small group can. A small group can. 125 changed the city. 
120, sorry, changed the city. A quarter of the 500 that saw Jesus depart, a quarter of them were in the upper room and they changed Jerusalem and they changed the world. So small groups can do big things if they're in unity and if they've given their whole heart. Well, the reason we can't do it is everybody's disjointed. I don't, I'm talking about the vaccine and service. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the vision. If everybody is just kind of, well, I just show up because I'm bored and I'm religious duty and I have to go where I feel guilty all week. But I don't really know what he's talking about. I don't listen most of the time. I'm thinking about my list. I'm on my social media. I'm playing Sudoku. I'm doing what I'm doing just to get through my religious duty on Sunday morning because if I don't go, I feel guilty. That is not the kind of army. Those are reserves. Those are reserve armies. And they're really, you don't want to send the reserves in in a real fight because they get slaughtered because they're, they're fattened up on their regular life. You want to send hard-trained Marines and Navy SEALs into the real battles because they are warriors. Thank God for reserves. We need their supply, but I'm not looking for reserves. I'm looking for Marines. Praise God. I saw a commercial they were advertising for the Marines on television the other day, and they're all in their black uniforms. And And I look at them, and they're kind of just look intimidating just standing there. You know, and I'm thinking, my God, you see, even in the natural, they get young men and young women that, 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 that are hungry that want to fight, that want to defend, that want it for freedom. Whether you agree with the army concept or not is irrelevant. There's something there for the common defense. The Constitution of the United States talks about the common defense. And in the gospel, there should be a common defense. In the local church, it's the army because Paul talks about uh, uh, farmer analogies, race analogies, like sports analogies, and warfare analogies. A soldier goes not to to the war at his own expense. A soldier buffets his body that the one who enlisted him would be pleased. See, the Bible calls you a soldier. And in the old days, they made, they made songs about that. I'm in the army of the Lord. I can't remember all of it because it's cheesy, but they made a lot of songs about the army. Right? The Salvation Army. William Booth even called people, he was the general. And the pastors were, cor- were, were colonels. And, and he had a whole military structure. Whether you like it or not, the point is, is that there is an army theme in the body of Christ and God's looking for people that are serious. And one church can turn a city. One church can turn a city. Because I got disappointed a little, discouraged a while ago. I said, Lord, there's 7 million people and the darkness and the perversion and the filth and the this, and we lead the world in sexual immorality, Toronto does. Behind San Francisco, we lead the world in, in, in grossness and ungodliness and vileness. How are these poultry people, some of them are upset with me because of mass. How are we going to do anything? And he started talking to me and he gave me scriptural backing and he said, one group turned an army. One group saved a city. Four lepers saved Samaria. Small 12 disciples turned the world upside down. The, the, the sinners called them an infectious disease. Everywhere Paul went, they called him a disease. It's in the book of Acts. You can read it because he infected everybody with the gospel of God. Small groups have always done great things if they're given their whole heart to it. The Lord started getting over to me. Don't look at the numbers. Get the people that are there engaged. Pour into them and get them to do it with their whole heart. One church can turn a city. Prayers of one church can make a difference in a city. So I'm sure there's other churches. I'm not megalomaniac. I'm not narcissistic. I'm sure there's other churches God's going to use because he always does. But if there's nobody else, Dan, one church can turn a city because I can't count on another pastor doing the right thing, but I can count on me and I can count on you. 
So we are watching for that plan and then we're agreeing with the plan because the man, the, the king's assistant, was given the opportunity to agree with the prophet and he didn't and he died. It happened just like the prophet said. Well, the prophet Dr. Dufresne talked about our church and what would happen. Pastor Nancy's talked about a dramatic influx of divine joinings. Brother, Brother Jerry's talked about that revival that will continue and complete that started under his, uh, his thing at Evangel. And we, of course, know, uh, of course, what, what God has been saying through Randy about the glory center. Amen. The prophets have spoken. Yes. My job is to agree with it, yes. even if I can't figure it out. That'll help you in your personal life, as well as corporately. Just agree. Shut your mind down and just agree. Get in faith, and then God will start showing you things as they come. Praise God. So we talked about that. And then, of course, the, the fourth part, which is now turned into the seventh part, is, is we pray for the plan because praying for miracles, we can't have this revival without miracles. You can't have miracles because you decide you want them. Miracles come as the Spirit wills. So does all the nine gifts of the Spirit. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, which you just, you just witnessed, three of the nine gifts this morning. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Part of that was tongues, interpretation of tongues. Part of that was prophecy. Prophecy is just spontaneous speaking in English. Tongues, interpretation of tongues is tongues and then interpreting it. So, but they work together and tongues, interpretation of equals prophecy, which means prophecy is greater because you only need one gift to equal the other two. You saw that with Jenny, Pastor Jenny and Lorraine. But there's also the gift of the word of wisdom, knowing about the future supernaturally. The gift of the word of knowledge, knowing about the past or the present supernaturally. The gift of the discerning of spirits, looking or seeing into the realm of spirits, seeing angels, hearing angels, seeing demons, seeing Jesus. Those are the revelation three. And then the power three is the gift of the working of miracles. The gift of faith, that supernatural faith beyond your regular measure of faith. That's where you can believe for anything and do anything when that kind of God faith is painted on you. And then the gifts of healings, every sickness on the planet, there's a gift of healing for. When that gift of healings comes, it doesn't matter whether the person has faith or whether you have faith, doesn't matter. They get healed instantly. They get healed automatically. But the Holy Ghost chooses when he pours these out and he chooses whom he pours it upon. And because we don't know, we respond by faith. We get healed by faith. We teach people by faith. But in this last revival, I don't have time today, but I read you the prophecies of William Branham. Go back and listen to that one again. And Dad Hagen, when Jesus appeared to him and told him about the last day great revival, it would be the time of the gift of the working of miracles. Jesus himself said to Dad Hagen, the number one gift out of all nine that will come to preeminence in the last days will be miracles. More than healings, it will be miracles. Some of them will be miracles of healing where arms grow out. Any miracle of healing is still to do with the body, but it's of the creative order. A regular healing is of the restoration order. If you've got something that doesn't work right, then it's restoring that that's healing. But if you don't have something and it needs to be created, then that's a miraculous healing. Do you understand? And we're, we need to see miracles of healing and then just flat out miracles. Just supernatural signs and wonders that make people go, what? What was that? If we don't have that, Willie, this revival will be over before it begins. Not only because I just know the way the world thinks, but because Jesus himself said the last day great revival will be marked by the working of miracles. You've got to have supernatural, Dad Hagen called them explosions of our mightiness. You've got to have that in a darkened society if you're going to turn hardened hearts. I'm telling you, the little preaching... Even the anointing can produce, anointing preaching will produce faith for people to respond. But that is not going to cut it. 
we still have to preach. We always have to preach, even in the middle of that revival, because you got to preach the word, keep things stable and balanced, and people still have to have faith, and people still have to walk and release their faith. There's always, there's always preaching of the word until Jesus comes. But what I'm saying is just the typical way that we go about church, just singing and having the presence of God isn't going to change. It changes some people, but it won't. That is not enough for a revival. Just a nice, good, even anointed, even fiery teaching and or preaching is not going to be enough to change our society. It just isn't. It will produce a measure of faith, but it won't. It's, we need something that's like, a, um, that's like a 45 and we need a bazooka. I'm serious. All the planning and the organizations and the ministry of helps and the special events means a hill of beans to the world. That's not going to bring a revival, but we need it in the local church. Otherwise, we can't function properly. But that's not going to bring a revival. What is going to mark a revival is an explosion of almighty, supernatural, makes people wonder, points to Jesus. It's a sign pointing, and it makes them wonder, and they go, what is going on? How did you do that? Who is this? People seeing, even God will even do miracles. When I say miracles, miracles are miracles, but the discerning of spirits. God will even let people that are not even saved have these experiences where Jesus appears to them. And that happens a lot. Or where they see angels or where angels appear to them and say, go to this church. Because angels can't preach to people, but they can lead people to where the gospel is being preached. Those are divinely granted appearances. Those are supernatural. Do you understand? We're going to need some of these things if this revival is going to have the effect that we want it to have. Otherwise, it's just going to stay church as usual until the rapture. And I don't believe that's God's will. Because Jesus said, there is going to be a last day great revival. He said it to Dad Hagen. And I trust Dad Hagen with my life. I believe that he's not a liar. I believe that Jesus told him exactly that on September 2nd, 1950 in heaven, in the throne room of God. He said, there is coming a last day great revival. It will be after these three and with a season of time in between. We've seen the three, the 40s and 50s, the 60s and 70s, the late 70s and 80s. We saw the three, healing, charismatic, and word of faith or teaching. We've seen three revivals, but he said they will be four. There'll be a season after the third before the fourth one comes, just like there was a season after Malachi before Jesus showed up. It's a pattern that God does. He gives, he preps the world and then he waits and then he comes and he slams them with the sledgehammer. And that sledgehammer is coming, my brother and sister. Dad Dufresne prophesied it would would begin in 2027. At least the startings of it would begin. I believe that that is true and I believe that will happen. That's when our Jerusalem season starts. I believe it's all connected. I believe we're going to see it. Copeland's talking about it more than ever. About I see on the horizon miracles like we've never seen before. Pastor Nancy's talking. That's her theme this year. It's time for miracles. See, she's picking up in her spirit what's coming. It's not that necessarily there's that many extraordinary miracles happening right now in her ministry, although some more are. But she's not seeing even a a fraction of what she's going to see because she's picking up in her spirit what is to come and she's starting to declare it now And because we're going to see an explosion of these things and we're going to have to see it, Dan. Because this little track handing out nonsense, now there's nothing wrong with tracks. Jesus loves you, here's a track, it's a picture of the cross, it bridges you, sin, and you, heaven, Jesus, and there's a little cross there, and this is you, you see you, the stick man here, and see Jesus, he's the stick man there with the halo on, I've got tracks that say all that stuff, and now you need to accept the cross so you can cross over to go to heaven, all of that's good and fine, but I'm sorry, we're not going to have a revival with tracks with stick men. I've given out more tracks than all of you combined. 
That was my job at Evangel. All I did was hand out tracts. I would have boatloads of them that I handed out downtown Toronto, uptown Toronto, on the mission field. Every one of you put together, I've handed more out than all of you put together. So don't talk to me about tracks because I know what I'm talking about. I could write tracks. In fact, I authored a track once and I printed it and I handed it out and I was very proud of it, but nobody seemed to like it. But I thought it was a great track. I had stick figures, I had halos, I had the whole thing. Tracks are great in their place, but it's, we're not going to get a revival with tracks. We're not going to get a move of God with tracks. It's going to take something greater. It's going to take the gifts of the Spirit. He has to pour. He has to choose to do it. So how do we get him to move his hand, arrow? We pray. The more we pray, the more he'll be inclined to move. The less we pray, the less he's inclined to move. We can do it by faith. We can do it by typical means, by normal ways. But that's not usually how you get a revival. That's just how you maintain church, which is what we're doing now. We're maintaining I use my faith every week for 35,000 because we're getting it some weeks. We're not getting it other weeks. If we don't get it, we go in the hole. I'm aggressively believing for that. And then I know that if we're going to do what God's asked us to do internationally and with new staff, we're going to need that 40. I'm aggressively believing God for more people to come and for everybody to tithe. But what is all of that, Jenny? It's still maintenance. I'm maintaining the vision step by step by step. We go up. But I'm not talking about maintaining I'm talking about an explosion. I'm talking about a revival. I'm talking about where, where people, had, there's something rises within them that I can't conjure and I didn't even necessarily author, but they're just, I got to pray. I got to pray. I don't know why God's taking hold of me. I got to pray. I got to be a church. I got to serve. And it's like without asking, they just flock. And then sinners start waking up. I'm having dreams of Jesus. Angels are appearing. Go to this church. And you're in the grocery store and seeing people healed and talking to people. And it's just like, it's just like butter. It just flows out of you. And before you know it, people are coming that instead of asking you to evangelize, you can't help but evangelize. Instead of begging people to come, they're begging you to come. That's a revival. A man, a great man of God, I forget his name now, but he had a great church down in the States. He made a great statement that I heard. And he said a very simple definition of revival. He said, revival is simply this. When a regular common sinner walks down the street and says to his friend, I don't know why, but I can't stop thinking about God. Where is a church I can go to? That is revival. The regular common sinner can't stop thinking about God and they don't know why. But they have to find a church. <laughs> That's revival. Because regular common sinners think about sin. They think about their own life. They think about money. They think about everything but God. But when they're thinking about God and they can't stop and they're desperate to find out where he is and who he is. And then when they come, they see a demonstration of his power by the gifts of the spirit. That's when people, that's when you have a move of God. But listen, the gifts won't happen and people won't have that hunger. Common sinners won't have that hunger if we don't pray. So I've taken time on this to talk praying for the plan, praying for the plan. And on September 13th was a very important Monday night, the sixth of eight Bible school sessions, because the Lord said tonight is going to be a different night. I'm going to give you revelation about why you need to pray for miracles and that you're going to get the anointing to pray for miracles because it's not just a matter of praying. You've got to have an anointing from God, an ability, a grace from God, a help from God to actually pray. Because this is, a, this is more than just simple praying. This is a deeper realm of prayer. And God fell on me that night and I experienced that anointing that I've never experienced before to pray for miracles. And also, as he dealt with me, I was praying out about persecution. Because persecution comes when miracles come. 
the devil stands up against the church when the miracle power of God starts moving. And so we've got to pray out about persecution and deliverance from persecution along with this move of God and these, but I felt that anointing come. So it's not just a matter we have to pray, but we have to pray with that kind of anointing. And the Lord said, this is early. Normally it wouldn't start till October in the overlap season, but I'm starting it early because this, the, the, the hunger of the students, I'm going to let them participate in this. And we prayed. And that's when Jenny saw that bull in the world. When, and I've gone through all these things with you because we're going to see some things. I'm telling you, they're coming. And then we listened to Dad Hagen teach us. And I played that last Sunday. I can't play it again for sake of time. But if you didn't hear it, listen to last Sunday at the very end of the sermon. I played 10 minutes of Dad Hagen and he was teaching us that it is scriptural. It is scriptural to pray. So people think, well, it's as the Spirit wills. I can't pray for it because it's as God wills. But the old New Testament church knew that they couldn't conjure it or force it. But they still knew if I pray, God will honor my prayer and he is more likely to will it if I pray than if I ignore it. And so we have scriptural proof, and we heard on that 10-minute clip last Sunday that Dad Hagen was teaching us, you need to pray for signs, wonders, miracles, which are the gifts, those are, those are the working of miracles, and also healings, which people can receive by faith, but we need to pray for the gifts of healings because a lot of people will get healed faster whether they've got faith or not when the gifts are operating. And it's hard sometimes to get sinners to start believing, but when the gifts operate, it just happens like popcorn. And I've seen it happen in other countries, but I've never really seen it to that measure happen here. You know why? It's not because God loves other countries more. It's because they're simpler, they're poorer, and they're more desperate. When I've gone to other countries on the streets, the gifts of healings and the working of miracles will operate like popcorn. Nothing. Now you have to still teach them how to get faith and how to have faith because when I go, they're still going to have to maintain their belief in God to maintain their healing and to get healed in the future on their own. So you still have to teach them, but initially to get them in the kingdom, it's just like, there's explosions of almightiness. I don't know how to explain it. Why? They're poor, they're simple, and they're desperate. Here, most people don't think they really need you because they got their doctor. They've got their appointment. They're, they're highfalutin in their mind. You know what I'm saying? They're not simple. They're complex, complicated. More than they should be. It's not simple childlike faith like on the mission field in the third world. Here it's a complicated kind of soup mix of, well, I don't really know if I need God. I don't even know if I like God. And if you're anything like God, I certainly don't want him because I don't like the way you look. I mean, it's amazing what sinners will equate God with. But over there, they're just desperate because they're dying. And there is no medical, there is no OHIP. There's none. You get sick, you die. So when you say Jesus can heal you, they they, they just, I'll take it. And, and I'll leave that God over there and worship him because he didn't have any power to heal me anyway. But if you're telling me this Jesus, whoever he is, heal me, I'll become a Christian. And that's how we get people saved. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. But here, because it's more complicated than in a third world, it's going to take, it's gonna, if it takes it over there, and I've seen it over there a lot more than I have here, how much more do you think it's going to take here? If it takes it over there with people that are more open and more receptive because they're more desperate, how much more do you think we need miracles in Canadian society with people that aren't desperate? That's right. With people that aren't hungry for God. You're going to need miracles of an even greater order to break through their hard shell than you will on the mission field. So more than ever we need to pray. And we see here that they prayed. So would you read with me very quickly here, because the Lord, the Lord started dealing with me about this, and I want you to read with me, uh, please, in the book of Acts, chapter 4. I'm almost done today. I knew today was a bit shorter message, because I've, I, you know, I couldn't fit it in all last week, but it's not like a full message today, so I'm glad, you know, 
we had a lot of other things to do today, so the service was still full. But I'm not going to be that long. I just need to share you, show you a couple things here, please, in the book of Acts. So if you, if you look, please, on verse 22 of chapter 4 of Acts. For the man, this man, remember that the, the, the they prayed for and he got healed? That was the gifts of healings. Pray, that was actually, no, that was actually the working of miracles because it, was a, it, was, it calls it a miracle of healing if you read it in the Bible. And so the, his, his, his born from birth without walking, he probably doesn't have bones. There's probably things wrong with his ankles and they probably don't, don't even exist. That's why he was lame from birth because it didn't form right in the womb. For him to jump up, leaping and jumping means that that had to be recreated, which is why it's called, if you read it, a miracle of healing. That means it's of the healing, it's of the body, but it's of the creative order, which still puts it in kind of a unique category. It's still part of the category of miracles. Now, Dad Hagen didn't believe that earlier in his life, but later on the Lord taught him. Even if you heard that, that, that the clip we'd played last, he said, that's, that's not miracles, that's healings. But later in his life, he changed it. Because remember, that little boy was missing something in his head. Right? And, and he went and prayed for healing. And they went in the, in the hotel. The Lord said, you're praying for healing. That boy doesn't need healing. That boy needs a miracle. He needs, he's missing something in his brain. How he need me to recreate the thing he's missing in his brain, which is the working of miracles, even though it's of the healing category, it's the working of miracles. And that's why it's called a miracle of healing. Later in his life, he would say, these things are miracles of healing. So he would later in his life have called that a miracle. But earlier, see, Revelation is progressive. Dad Hagen didn't know everything all the time. He was growing as well. So when you listen to his earlier recordings, sometimes you'll hear very rarely, but you'll hear sometimes him say a little bit differently earlier than he did 30 years later because he learned more in that 30 years. And understandably so. I think we can all say that about ourselves. So we see here, this was a miracle of healing at the Gate Beautiful. Uh, and it says, see verse 22, for the man was above 40 years on whom this miracle of healing was showed. And being let go, they went to their own company. We have a company, Taylor. Yes, we do. Oh, you're not just part of a church. Are you listening to me? You're part of a company. You're part of a company. You're not just part of a church. You're part of a company. We are a company. We are a church, but it's, it's different. Notice he didn't just say it. They went to their own church. They went to their own company. I have a company. I do. Pastor Nancy tells me when she often, she says this to me, thank you for being a part of my company. Thank you for running your race with me. Like-minded people are so precious. They're more precious than your blood relatives. The people in this church, I am closer to than my own blood relatives. Why? Not because I don't love my blood relatives, but because my blood relatives, almost all of them, whether they're Christians or not, not one of them, even that are Christians, understand this flow. Not one of them. Not one of them. Not one relative that I have other than my mother. Yeah. Not one. Not siblings, not aunts, not uncles, not grand. No one yeah. understands this flow except the people that I hang with with Pastor Nancy and the people in this congregation, yeah. which means I've got more in common with you, Cyril, than I have my own uncle. And he's better looking than my uncle anyway. So it just... <laughs> and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they had heard that, they lifted up the voice to God with one accord, and they said, Lord, thou art God, which has made... I just heard the Holy Ghost. He said, son, you're not going to get this done today, so do part eight. Lord, that is not a joke. That is not funny. I told you that seven was your number. It's a number of completion, and I don't care if we go till one o'clock. We're getting it done today. I just heard him say that. Go, 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 go to number eight, son. 
because he sees I'm rushing. He knows me. I'm rushing. I'm rushing. I'm rushing. And when I rush, I'll miss the promptings of the Spirit. So, okay. Sorry, Corinne. We have to add one more number on that thing there. But let's just get a few more minutes, and then, and then we'll close. It's 11.56. Praise God. When they heard, they lifted up their voice with their company. What does that mean? They were praying. To God, that's prayer, with one accord and unity. Do you understand? And they said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Forever truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. See, they're telling God what he already knows. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined beforehand to be done. Why did they say Because God determined beforehand that Jesus would die. And if Satan knew it, he wouldn't have let him die. Because then we wouldn't be able to be born again if he didn't die. So this was a counsel of God, the mystery of the, this is called the mystery of the gospel, that Jesus would die and be raised from the dead. And that's what Satan couldn't figure out. That's what he's saying. It was your counsel beforehand. They did this. They gathered against Jesus, but it was part of your counsel for the plan of salvation. And now, Lord, this is where it gets meaty. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. God already knows their threatenings, but they just, when you pray, it's good to tell God. Behold their threatenings. Whew. Look at what they're telling you, servants. Look how, they, look how they threaten us. We're your people. You're our God. We're doing your work. Vindicate us. You see, did you see the attitude here? You don't read this from religious goggles. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, please grant their threatenings. Oh, Lord. It's a, that's not how they prayed. Lord, behold their threatenings. We're your people. We're doing your work. And they are threatening us. Who do they think they are? Grant, look at what they're doing to us. And we're your people. You see, do you see the attitude? In other words, you're invoking God to in intervene. But what, what, what do they ask? They didn't just say kill him, although Herod did die later, but that's not what they're praying. Listen to their threatenings and what? Grant unto thy servants that with boldness. The whole prayer was about being bold, which means whether you realize it or not, you're timid. Whether you realize it or not, Marcus, you're timid. Bob, you're timid. Jennifer, you're timid. Cyril, you're timid. Craig, you're timid. Because if they're praying, give me boldness. Now hold on a second. You need to see something that I never saw until the Lord showed me. Earlier, they've already prayed for this man. They've already been in the council. The people have already been getting upset. And they said they took notice of them, Peter and John, that they had been with Jesus beholding their boldness. So Peter and John had such boldness that when they looked at them, they said, we recognize that behavior. Jesus did that, which means Jesus was excessively bold, which is why they equated Peter and John to Jesus, not based on their sermon, their charisma, their sermon illustrations, the way they dressed, but based on boldness. So these boys were already bold. Why are they then asking for more? They're already bold. People already know they're bold. And what are they saying? Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness, 
We already got some of it, but we need more of it. We may speak your word. Let me tell you something. I just heard the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. Some of you that are new Christians, you need to learn to be more bold telling your secular friends about your change of heart. If you're embarrassed to tell people that Jesus has changed you because you're afraid of losing their friendship, you're not worthy for the kingdom of God. You might have started out like that, but after you've been at it for a little while, you need to have a greater love for Jesus than you do all your secular friends. Because they will hold you back from going on with God. And unless they get saved, there's not much in common you have with them anyway, whether you realize it or not. When they're telling their dirty jokes, something inside you should be like... When they're talking about girls and sex and all their conquests, something in you... If you're born again, even if you're a new believer, something in you by the Holy Ghost should be like something that right. When they're cussing and swearing, something in you should be like, I'm not even saying you should be bold enough to preach to them and tell them to stop, but something in you should go. If it's not, you're backsliding, you don't even know it, or you're not saved. Because Kenneth Hagin talked about mental ascent salvations. People pray a mental prayer, but there's no change inside. If there's a change inside, you'll know it. My mother, she don't like me saying it, but I'll say it anyway. Yes, she say, served me whiskey as a baby. I showed you a picture. She wore mini skirts up to the Yahoo. I showed you pictures of that too. She don't like me talking about that, but she was a party girl. So don't let her little nice demeanor fool you. <laughs> Yeah, she's a little older now, but she's a party girl back then. Serving her children whiskey because of my toothache. That's what she claims. That's what she claims. It's either very dark apple juice or it's whiskey. I don't know, but that's what she claims. You had a toothache. Sure, sure, sure. Mom, what's, that? what's up with that skirt? Oh, Craig, back then everybody dressed like that. I know she's watching and I sure do love you, but you're not here. That's why I can say it. But she was into aliens. She was, she really was. Like it was a religion to her almost. She was like everything, she was fascinated. It was got in her mind. And she believed in transcendental meditation. You know the yogi? You know those guys with the thing? Yeah, I'll do it. If you're offended, you need to get born again. That's how that, you, you've been around those people. Not because you were in that religion, but you know what I'm talking about. They come from India, where you're from. Transcendental meditation, open the door to demons in your life because you're emptying your mind and demons come in. And she was high up in that between the conehead aliens for the mothership and the wing dong nong wang wa, she is crazy. And she was searching for truth and she didn't know where to look. But she's looking, she's looking. I want power, I want supernatural, I gotta have something. I don't blame her, she's at least searching. And then she, she watched uh, 700 Club one day with the cone hat on. I'm, she didn't have a cone hat, but you know, the, 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 the tinfoil cat to contact the mothership. That's what I picture her when she was, she didn't have that, but that's what I picture her. A bottle of whiskey, short skirt, a cone hat, and going while she watches 700 Club. That's how I picture it, although I'm sure that's not what she looked like, but that's how I picture it. So when you see Sue, just picture her with whiskey in one hand, the other uh, with, the, with the little legs up, with the short skirt, and the cone hat to contact the mothership. And when you think of her like that, you'll realize what Jesus, how powerful he is, and how he has changed her. 
and there is not even the smell of it on her. She is such a godly, holy woman. And she raised me right. And she put such a love for Jesus in me that at three years old, my earliest memory, my earliest memory ever was walking across the yard to Phineas, who was our black gardener. And, and, and he, would, he would cut the heads off the snakes because we had poisonous snakes. Green mambas will kill you. And he'd cut the heads off. And I remember running to him as a little two-year-old. That's my first memory. My second memory was our, was our, our, our native African lady. You know, they, they put their children... Have you ever seen African ladies do it? They're very smart. They're much smarter than Americans are. They know how to handle kids with very little. They don't have car seats and all that nonsense. They got a, a blanket and they put the kid on the back and they put this big wrap around you and they tie it. And I mean, you're, you're secured in there. You could go through a nuclear blast. You wouldn't come out of there. And I'll never forget that lady because my mother, you see, see, in apartheid days, you know, my mother and her family were very anti-apartheid. And so they refused to hire people. But then the Lord dealt with her and said, but you can bless somebody because they're starving because they can't get real jobs. And that's all the government would let them was to be servitude. So you can, but if you don't, if you don't hire them, you can be kind to them, but you can actually help them survive. So all three families, both aunts, my grandmother, my aunt and my mother found one lady and they all shared. She came to our house three times a week, you know, three days she came to each of our homes and, and, and they were very kind to her and they gave her extra and they blessed her more than any other person in her community got blessed because it's a way to help people. It wasn't a way to make them serve you. It was because these people are starving and she was a sweet lady and she loved me and she thought I was her own. And so she'd put me, and Africans have a certain smell to them. I can't explain it to you unless you've smelt them, they've got a certain smell. I've never smelt it anywhere on the earth except a true African from South Africa has a certain smell to them. I can't explain it, but it's just there. And I remember that smell to this day. And she'd put me at three years old, she'd put me and she'd wrap me around with that wrap and she would go about the room vacuuming and cleaning and doing, and I still, it's my earliest memory. I remember jogging around and smelling. <laughs> Because, you know, she's moving fast, man. And, but that thing, you like say, oh, oh. and I remember, and I remember that smell to this day, being on the back of her neck. I remember that, that African smell. I remember that to this day. And it's a wonderful memory for me. I hope she's okay. I know she got born again. They led her to the Lord. So I know I'll see her in heaven. Why am I even talking about this, Jenny? What was the point of the story? I have no clue or conception. Talking about Sue, Jesus changed Sue. Yes earliest memories because from that earliest time she would teach me about Jesus and all I remember the earliest other than that memory I remember my Bible when I got my tonsils out and I was in the intensive care and I couldn't speak and I could barely whisper and I would just I couldn't even make words for about two weeks I was in a series and I would just say Bible Bible at three years old and she'd read me my children's Bible and at four years old I laid hands on the record prayer that was broken and working the miracles, it fixed. And my father, who could fix anything, my stepfather couldn't figure out, this is impossible. How could this, this doesn't, it's not possible. But I just said, Jesus' name, be healed. And that record, it wasn't healing, it was a work of the miracles, but God overlooked my ignorance. I say all that to say this, thank God for her. She might've had the cone hat on, but she led me right. But she was looking for something more. And she found it. On that 700 club she gave her heart to Jesus and there was an immediate change she would swear but she stopped swearing almost overnight she was never really had a, a thing for drinking but you know casual that stopped uh, hating people making fun that stopped when you get saved that's why I went on that bunny trail 
there has to be a change or you're just mentally agreeing, but there's no power. You don't have to be perfect and you don't have to be some saint or some preacher, but you do have to start recognizing there's a change inside you because Jesus lives. I don't know why I'm saying this, but it's for somebody here or watching. When Jesus lives inside you, there should be a change. Do you understand? Otherwise, it's not real. If you don't feel that change, then you didn't really get saved when you thought you got saved. So humble yourself and just say, Jesus, maybe I did it mentally, but I'm asking you, come in my life, invade me. I receive you. I confess you as my Lord. Come in and change me. And you'll see your desires will start not instantaneously overnight everything. Some people it's instantaneously overnight, but most people over a few weeks to a month, there'll start to be a change. You will desire what you desired before that was sinful will start to lessen. When other people are around you acting carnally, there'll be something in you that goes, "Mm." you may not have boldness to say something to them, but you'll know it's wrong and you'll not want to be around them. And eventually you'll change your friend group because unless they get saved, you really have nothing in common with them. I'm serious. Praise God. I don't know why. I I guess I got off because I heard the Holy Ghost say, say that. So I don't even know who that's for. But anyway, I'll just, I'll just finish this and then we'll close. Grant their, behold their threatenings. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. They already were bold. So can you imagine how much boldness we need if they ask for two doses? Two doses. Two valid doses of boldness instead of the vaccine. My God, if we're going to have a revival, you have to show your boldness passport at the door. Two valid doses. They already had it. They asked for a second dose. Give us boldness. Now, where did the boldness come? Did you notice he didn't just ask for boldness? We're a little verse 30. By, the boldness comes because of something. By stretching forth thine hand to heal. That signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. When you stretch your hand and see God heal, when you speak and see miracles, a boldness will fill you like nothing else can because you'll see and know God is working through me. Did you notice I didn't just pray for boldness isolated. They said boldness because of stretching forth your hand to heal. If you stretch forth your hand to heal, we'll have more boldness. If you do miracles, we'll have more boldness. So what we're, and I notice they said they're praying for miracles, which is a gift of the spirit, which is God wills, but they're still praying for it. So what I'm saying is father, let Lord, we're praying for miracles. We're praying for healings. We're praying for supernatural acts, signs and wonders. Let it fall on your people because we know it says you will, but we're asking you to will it. Because as you fall on this congregation with this, it will produce a boldness that they've never had. For we must have boldness in these end days, especially in our society where everything is diplomatically correct. Everything is don't offend. There is a spirit of offense that has taken hold of this globe. You almost can't say anything anymore without offending somebody. And that's demonic. That's not normal. The people at 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, they weren't like that. This society is so overly sensitive about everything. And let me tell you something, boldness offends people. So if you want everybody to like you, you're not going to flow in this revival. You're going to have Jesus like you. You're going to have me like you. You're going to have your brothers and sisters like you. But some of the people out there that have pure hearts, they're going to like your boldness. But others will get offended, mock you, criticize you, and hate you. You just got to accept that. We're not into this group of let's everybody get along. That is not what a revival is about. That is not even what Christianity is about. Are you with me? 
And I said to somebody, or an unsaved person, a family member a little while ago, the Lord said, I want you to talk to them. I said, I don't want to. They're a family member. They don't listen to me anyway. Talk to them. And I was bold. And I said, God can help you. I know you don't respect me because you see me a certain way as your family member. But don't, don't judge God because of me. God can help you. Oh, they got really upset with me. Really offended with me. Don't talk to me no more. They don't want to talk to me no more. Good, fine. My job is to tell you. You go to hell, that's your problem. I don't try to be mean about it. I'm just saying some people are just stubborn. But God still asks you to talk to people that are stubborn and people that will hate you. And God knows it's not going to work, but he needs them to know on record. It doesn't matter if it always doesn't turn to the way you want it to turn, the way he wants it to turn. Sometimes he still tells you to witness because it has to go on record. So that if they stand before him at the great white throne and they're on their way to hell, God forbid. But if that happens, they can't say nobody told me. Because they will, God will play them back the conversation that you had. And God will say, I sent my servant to warn you. And you rejected their counsel. You are without excuse. That's why we have to evangelize whether we feel like it or not, whether it works out or not. We've got to do it if we're spirit-led because it has to go on record. Are you with me? Yes. Praise God. I got so much like a, you know what those, those things, Taylor, where the, the bingo things and the, and the big ball and all the balls are bouncing around and then one little ball comes out. I feel like I've got all this stuff that I could keep you here till 6 p.m. And I could just, but I won't. I can see you're sweating, Reverend Dan. I'm not going to keep you till 6 p.m. But I just, there's so much in this category. There's so much. We've got to pray. We've got to pray for miracles. We've got to pray for the gifts of the Spirit. Because when they show up, boldness will be the result. And it's going to take boldness to change this city. I mean, withstand them to the face. I'm telling you, guys, we're in for a ride. I hope you're, hope you're ready. I hope you got your seatbelt fastened. Because if this is just come to church like a religious duty, you ain't going to make it. But stay long enough because maybe I'll infect you with this gospel of power. Just hang out long enough. Just stay long enough under the anointing. It'll get on you. Praise God. And don't wait, Willie, for seven years from now. This week, if God gives you an opportunity, be bold. This week, pray for somebody if there's an opportunity. If he prompts you, and if he doesn't prompt you, you can also just step out by faith. Don't just wait for some special event down the road at some what we have conjured in our minds as some revival. It's coming, but that doesn't mean we have to wait. We can start right now. We can invite people to church right now. We can pray for the sick right now. We can call people when he leads us and talk to them and help them right now. We can pray for miracles today. We have to pray for the plan. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.